right, everybody. Well, you're listening to the Simple Power Podcast, and I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. So grateful that you're here. So thanks so much for taking the time to click and to listen. Really, really excited just to get into today's discussion. I'm here with Evan Knox. Evan Knox is a, is a new friend of mine. We just connected recently. Evan is here with us today just to kind of talk a little bit about his story, his journey of faith, and just kind of getting into some things that God has done in his life. And I think it's going to be really, really impactful for everybody that's listening. So Evan Knox is the founder of Caffeine Marketing. He's uh, basically pouring his life into small businesses and helping companies to grow and to expand through marketing efforts and increasing brand awareness and all this kind of stuff. Evan does some other things in the business world as well. Uh, he's a, a husband and a father. He has a, a, a little boy named Titan. Bro, I love it. He loves the Lord. He's passionate about his walk with the Lord, his relationship with Jesus. And so again, he's here just to kind of share a little bit about his journey of faith. Evan, brother, thanks so much for being here, man. How are you today? Duke, I'm doing awesome, man. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, I love that we just get to really talk about Jesus. I There's sometimes I like, I don't go to the podcast or podcast that often, but when I do, um, Jesus sometimes comes up, right? Because it's part of my story and it's typically on a business marketing podcast. So I always have to be really apologetic about it. I'm always like, yeah, I'm so sorry. This is probably weird for y'all, but like, <laughs> this is about Jesus. So anyway, I'm, I'm pumped. This would be Love fun. it. Love it. And hey, man, I didn't say this to you before, but there's no limits. Just feel free to, to get into whatever you want to get into today. But um, can you, because I know I give a very brief overview, tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll jump into some other stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like Duke mentioned, I run a marketing agency called Caffeine Marketing. Um, also, professionally, I'm a small business investor, um, which we were also talking about a little bit earlier. So I basically come in as a partner with my other partners into companies, and then we'll double or triple. Um, and that's been fairly conservative. So far, it's been triple companies. And then um, maybe we'll turn around and sell the company, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I love playing in the business space. I love Jesus. Um, I'm a father. Uh, a newly father with a 10 month old. His name is, his name is Titan. Um, as you can imagine, I've got a thing for naming things and branding um, with caffeine and Titan. <laughs> yeah. I also, I love running, working out. My family like the outdoors and we live in Atlanta, Georgia. So maybe it's helpful to start with my family. Uh, maybe like my family of origin, you could say. I grew up going to church. I was an only child and it was never in my perception. Okay. So like as an adult, it's different talking to my, my mom now about stuff. Uh, but what I perceived it as is just something we went and did on Sundays. You know, it was either we're going to go to the lake house on Sunday or we're going to go to church. Um, and sometimes I would say, Hey, I don't want to go to church. And my dad would actually go sing in the worship band, which is, you know, you can only imagine what an early 2000s worship band is like, man, it's rocking. My dad literally played the cowbell. Okay. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> I never understood that joke until I was older and I was like, ah, it's so great. <laughs> What's wrong with the cowbell? That's normal for us. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. It's great. But you know, they, they would always make jokes like more more cowbell. And I was like, what are they talking about? That's awesome. So he would sing and play cowbell, but I digress. So my family went to church. They were involved in church. Uh, but at home, it wasn't like a conversation that we usually had, you know, it wasn't talking about faith. Um, and so to me, I, I just kind of interpret that as like, oh, we just go to church. That's what we do. So fast forward, I really didn't have any interest in it. Um, I remember when I was maybe like 10 or 11 years old, my mom was like, hey, um, you know, do you want to go do this like service project with all your other church friends or whatever? Um, and I was like, no, like I would rather go play football, go to a football camp. I'd rather go to the lake, whatever. I don't want to go. I have no interest. 
It's really boring to me. And then I think about middle school hits, and I remember my mom was sending me probably to that exact same camp a few later, a few years later. And really at that point is when I started to, things started to click in my heart. Um, I had heard them my whole life. And I remember I decided to put my faith in Jesus in that camp. And long story short on that night was just a guy starts talking about how we are adopted into God's family um, and how when Jesus sat on the cross, he and was raised from the dead. That enabled us to be adopted into his family and for God to see us through the lens of Jesus. And so that when he sees us, he sees Jesus. And so that stuck so with me. Yeah. And so the few months after that, which I guess we can really dive into is my dad starts to struggle again with narcotics, which he had before my parents got married. And we ended up like losing everything. Houses get foreclosed on. Uh, parents get a divorce. Um, and again, we can talk more about this. But yeah, that is like that was really a pivotal moment for me because just a few months later, it felt, you know, or a few months before that, I put my faith in Jesus. And that was honestly the thing that carried me through the entire season. Wow. Hey, man, first of all, there's a couple of things there that I, I definitely identify with. I was part of some of those early 2000 uh, worship teams, which was a lot of fun. Just rocking out. That was good stuff back then. But um, I grew up in a in a Christian home. I mean, I was I was born into it. I remember when I was 11, my whole family, we went on vacation to Pensacola, Florida. And uh, we went to the beaches and stuff like that. But then at night, we were at the Brownsville Revival. Do you, do, are you familiar with uh, the Brownsville Revival? Uh-uh. There were just these revival services every single night. And I just remember getting rocked for God wow. there. But for many, many years after that, I just really struggled with this like condemnation, guilt. I loved God and I wanted to live my life for him. And I really, you know, and I was pursuing him and stuff like into my teenage years and everything. But like anytime I messed up, it was just so much just I, I lived with so much condemnation when I was a, when I was a kid and into mm. my teenage years, like literally often feeling like I was losing my salvation, mm. falling out of grace and favor with God and all this kind of stuff. Like every time I messed up, like it was just such a messed up way of living. And I knew like in my head that that wasn't true. But for some reason, I couldn't accept it for myself personally. Sure. And so, like, you, you talked about starting to recognize your identity in God and how he sees you in the light of what Jesus did for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a powerful truth. And when I finally did, like, embrace that for myself, everything shifted. Yeah. And I mean, there was two elements of that that really stuck with me. Uh, one was this aspect of God as a father, because my earthly father man, he was just sick and he was struggling and he'd struggled for a long time. And so even though my dad loved me and I really know that he did, um, drugs often came first, which was so hard to wrestle with. Uh, and so here I am with my dad, my earthly dad, who's just not there when I, when I felt like I needed him most, you know, when I'm becoming a young man, when I'm looking for like, how do you treat a woman? Uh, how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, there's nowhere to be nowhere to be found. Yeah. And I mean, literally nowhere. Like, hey, dad, let's go to a motocross event together. Yeah, sure. That's great. Um, and then doesn't show up. And I have to, like, hitch a ride to go down to this event in Atlanta. So, yeah, literally not showing up. But I have, God as a perfect father is in there the whole time. And he's like, I, I've never felt a season closer to him than that season. And I just remember being so mad at my dad one time and being like, God, he does not deserve my forgiveness at all. And I felt like clear as day, God was like, you didn't either. And I gave it to you anyway. Oh. I'm, it's just wild, you know? Um, yeah. 
And I cherish that. I don't ever want to go back to that suffering because that sucked. But I've never felt so close to God as those times when it was so hard. Yeah, man. Um, and I did. I'm a high schooler, you know. Like I feel like a middle school and high school boy. Like we just act ridiculous. And so I, like I struggled with porn until I was 18 years old, and it was just yeah. like that was always a battle for me. And then even just to receive grace in that moment. So I feel you. You're definitely not alone in that area. Yeah, man, that was a that was a major struggle for me throughout my teenage years as well was pornography, and uh, it started actually when I was when I was young. It became such a struggle, and that just really, of course, added to all that the weight of that guilt and that condemnation, and just yeah. defining myself based on that, and just coming into that that place of recognizing, hold on, like before anything else, I am your son. I belong to you. You died for me. You did this for me. You took the weight of my sin and my shame upon yourself because you have such an absolute love and affection for me that you wanted to bring me to your father. And Jesus presents us to his father as his own. Right. And so God looks at us. And and like you said, I think that's such an awesome, profound truth. So I'm just kind of harping on it. But it's like, you know, recognizing that when the father sees me, when the father sees Evan, when the father sees whoever's listening to this, that if if you're saved, he sees Jesus. He sees his son, daughter, that he loves covered in the blood of Christ. When you said God sees us like he sees Jesus. Another verse that, or let's not say verse, but another uh, theme in Christianity is that, you know, God forgets our sins. For me, for a while, I looked at that and go, okay, well, how does God just forget? Like he just, just doesn't remember, you know what I mean? And I feel like as a Westerner, I feel like we go, oh, it's either black and white. It's either, you know, this or that. When in reality, yeah. it's a yes and. It's a God sees us exactly as our, like as we are. Full of faults, all of it. And at the same time, because of Jesus' redemptive work, dying on the cross and taking our punishment, we are therefore also seen in his grace and seen as him. Like the sin that you're going to commit today or 20 years from now, like all of it has already been dealt with in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross. He yeah. declared it is finished and he actually meant it. He actually meant what he said. And when we go through life living under guilt and comparing ourselves to other people that are more advanced than us and all this kind of stuff that we do, I think it all falls under that umbrella of condemnation. It's, it's when we we judge ourselves to be not worthy for one reason or another, right? When we live under that, it's like we're we're trying to, I don't know, it's like we're trying to pay for something that's already been paid for. And again, I think God's just, just looking at so many times like, I get it, but like I've moved on from that. Stop beating mm -hmm. yourself up with that. Yeah. He lives inside of us and he leads us and he directs us. He convicts us of sin. He does all that. It's not that sin is not an issue for us anymore, but we're not a slave to it, and it doesn't define who we are. Right. Um, it's also this idea, right, that Jesus has conquered sin and death, but yet he is, and he's finished in that regard, but yet he hasn't come back and returned. So like in this, I forget what, it's been a little bit since I was in uh, Bible school. So it's been, there's like this inter-military phase, forgive me here, um, where we still are experiencing the effects of sin, but yet we're not, they don't reign over us, but yet one day we won't have to deal with that anymore. Yes. 
Hey man, uh, I'm loving this. Can we actually back up a little bit? And I would love for you to talk a little bit about the process of forgiveness that you walked through um, yeah. with with your dad and with everything that was going on there. And uh, you alluded to it, but I would love to just kind of hear, you know, what that looked like for you walking through that process. Okay, so let's give some examples of maybe what it felt like for me. Um, I mentioned one going to that motocross event, my dad not showing. Um, I also remember. Uh, you know, him not showing up for football games anymore. Um, I also remember, you know, me counting on him to like go into work because I, we would ride together because I would go into, he, he worked out of my grandfather's store. He had like his own business and he used my grandfather's jewelry store for his, like his um, office space. And so I would ride with him. And so then he just wouldn't go into work. Like I would go try to pick him up and he wouldn't be awake because he would be passed out from the drugs he took the day before. So all this is going on. He's not showing up. He's not doing stuff. And I'm just wrestling in my heart. What do I do with this? And I felt like for me, I still was called to love him. I felt like I still needed to love my dad. Um, and I also didn't know how long my dad was going to be here because I didn't know if he was ever going to get through that. And so I thought, you know, what? I can't, I can't change what he does as much as I would like to, but I can dictate how I respond with the power of the Holy Spirit and leaning into God for my strength, I can try to love him. And like I mentioned before, it really just became a conversation between me and God of me being just so frustrated every time with my own earthly dad and going, I cannot believe he did this again. It hurts so bad. It hurts more than I could articulate right now. Um, and I've healed in a lot of ways, but it doesn't stop hurting in some way. Um, and so just to be able to go, you know what, I'm going to make a decision to forgive my dad because Jesus forgave me. And I was wholly unworthy of that forgiveness that God gave me. And in the same regard, my dad doesn't deserve my forgiveness, but I'm called to give it to him anyway, because I for, I've been forgiven of so much. It reminds wow. me of the parable, golly, is it the talents one? Um, where he's like, oh, I remember. Uh, basically a, a master comes in and like lends this guy some money. And this is a story that Jesus tells um, and he comes in, he lends the guy money and the guy can't pay him back. Right. And so the master decides, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and forgive your dad. So he forgives his yes. dad. And then that guy doesn't really get the message, right? He doesn't understand that like, Hey, I've just been abundantly generous with you. I've been, I've forgiven hundreds of thousands of dollars that you owe me. I've forgiven it. You're just, that does forgiven. That guy proceeds to go in and try to collect debts from people that owed him money and start beating people up and harassing people does not get the message that he's just been forgiven thousands and thousands of dollars and goes to seek and like basically harass these people for hundreds of dollars. Now that's Evan's version yes. of that story. But how that interprets for me is, man, I've been forgiven of way more than what I've experienced, what I feel like has been wrong to me. I need to pass that same forgiveness on to my dad, but I also don't need to trust him. And that's a key. I just want to mention that for people who are maybe in a similar situation um, or an unhealthy relationship, you don't need to trust these people. My dad's a, he was a drug addict, but I'm still called to love him in a safe way. Sometimes that was from a distance for a while, but I still needed to love him and forgive him. That was what I was responsible for. Yeah, we were actually just talking about that, I think, on our, what's today? Yeah, so it was probably on our on our last Wednesday night uh, Bible study live stream that we were doing. Where there's, where there's love and there's real love and there's intense love, but trust is broken, that's devastating, man. Mm -hmm. it's tough because with everything that's inside of you, you want to give that person everything. 
you want to be there for them fully. Like, you know, you think about, you know, a husband and a wife where there's been a major break of trust, a major issue. It's like you don't fall out of love just because trust was broken. But now you've got you're on this journey of rebuilding trust. And it also reminds me of this other thing that Jesus said. Also, I need to like totally memorize some of these verses because that's going to be a lot more helpful for people who want to look this up. <laughs> it's cool, man. Yeah. I do so the same thing sometimes. The one other one I'm thinking about is when Jesus talks about and I don't. I'm only 85% confident I'm confident I'm interpreting what Jesus is saying here correctly. So I could be totally off base. But when Jesus says, hey, don't throw your pearls to the pigs, what I interpret yeah. that as is like, hey, this is like something that's super valuable. Like if you know something's going to get destroyed. Absolutely. Don't be unwise about it. You know, so when I talk about being my dad not having trust in that relationship, it's like, hey, I'm I don't really need to be there after dark. And there is a time when it was kind of scary for my for my mom and my dad, because, again, my dad was very, very sick. I did not want to tell my dad where my mom was at for a while. And I felt like that was yeah. the safest thing for my mom. Absolutely. Um, so that's the thing. It's like you have to – you can love and forgive somebody, but you don't have to necessarily trust them. And I'll say it, it took a, it took a while, and, you know, my dad is no longer here. And I don't – again, there's probably mm. someone out there listening to this that your person is still here, and there's still a pain. Um, but my dad is not here. And so when he died, he – as far as I know, it was unrelated to the drug stuff because he was clean at the time. I felt peace in my heart because I loved him with every ounce of my being that I could love wow. him while he was alive. Yeah. And I would have regretted it so much if I had just shut him out. Wow. And I didn't. So anyway, I, I, I have peace personally because I was able to forgive him before he uh, he passed on. So, So good, man. Just real quick, going back to that first story that you shared, that first uh, parable where the guy was forgiven this massive debt. I wish I remembered. I don't remember that what they estimate the numbers to be, but the the debt that the first guy had was so immense, like it was it was such a massive debt that it was an impossibility mm-hmm. for that guy to pay that thing back. Like there was no way that he could ever pay that debt off like i don't even know how you you know how this guy got into that kind of debt there's no details on that <laughs> but it was so massive that it was just like it didn't even make sense like there was no possible there was nothing he could ever do and he was just forgiven of the debt and then so now all of a sudden he's like my he's thinking my life is over i deserve you know i'm gonna be murdered or i'm gonna sure. be you know thrown in prison the for the rest, rest of my, my life, life yeah. or sli- yeah servitude whatever so he's thinking his life is over all of a sudden he's completely forgiven Everything in his life, he's just like redeemed. Now all of a sudden he's he's set. And the first thing that comes to his mind is, hey, let me go get some money from this guy that owes me money. And then the guy, it's like just a small amount of money. And then he throws that guy in prison for not, you know, bringing him. So then what happens? The, the first master that had forgiven this massive debt, he comes back and he's like, all right, <laughs> because you couldn't forgive this guy a small debt after you've been forgiven everything. So obviously that's such a picture yeah. of, of our massive debt that you know of sin that was completely there was nothing we could ever possibly do to get ourselves out of it man tries through religion and through all these different things and efforts and good deeds to try to be good enough to god you know we think that we can somehow earn righteousness or earn salvation Mm. earn eternal life get ourselves to heaven if if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds it doesn't work like that because sin completely bankrupted yeah everything about us like there was it was absolutely impossible and our father forgave us of the very sin that that caused his son to go to the cross and to give his life you know we were enemies of god in our minds and 
the debt that we've been forgiven is so much greater than we can even imagine. So when we have an opportunity to hang on to unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and these these things that at the end of the day really just cripple cripple us, yeah. and we have an opportunity to hang on to those things. Hmm. It's so important that we work through that process of forgiving and letting those things go because of the fact, like you said, I love what you said, man. You said, I just made a decision that I was going to forgive because I had been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Like that's so powerful. We think I can't forgive, you know, because we just make it an emotional thing and it is an emotional thing. It is. Yeah. And it was wrong that you were hurt, not belittling any of that. And, and you know, some people have been through things and been hurt by people in such intense, profound ways yeah. And where it's hard to let those things go. But if you'll just be faithful to, to just say, you know what, God, I even if you say, I don't know how to forgive this person right now. But if you'll just make that decision to say, God, I'm going to choose to forgive, even if it's a process of walking through, I'm going to choose to forgive because you've forgiven me a, a debt that was so far beyond anything that I could ever even imagine. Yeah, you're right. And it, it does start with the decision. Sometimes it's multiple decisions over and over again to go. Exactly. Yeah, I'm. I still forgive them. Like they're forgiven. Um, there's two things that come to my mind, and I. This is one that I don't pretend to be a fully an expert on. Uh, but Jesus also says something a little to the effect of like, "Hey, like forgive them as I've forgiven you, and like I'll forgive you." And so, it's not. I'm not saying that if you don't forgive everybody, that Jesus won't forgive you. It's not. I'm not like trying to paint that theological conversation. But there is a somberness to it. There is like a hey, you don't really get it. If you're not, if you don't forgive other people, you don't really understand how much I've forgiven you. Um, so I think, I don't know. I, I think that's worth just paying attention to. You know, if like if we just are just, I'm not forgiving this person for whatever reason. I don't know that we really understand how much we've been forgiven of, in a way. Absolutely, it's such a it's such a profound picture of of what he's done for us. And again, I think that that just gives us the right perspective. You know, you started this whole thing talking about um, getting to know your heavenly Father in a way that was separate from what you had ex- experienced from your earthly Father. And so many times we project things onto God, right? We project things onto our heavenly Father based on the way that we've been treated here on the earth, whether that was by our actual father or mother or by you know a family member or a father figure or a mother figure or a a leader in the church a pastor we have this tendency even to take what people in the body of christ do Mm. you know that the church is the is the body of christ and so you know we'll be we'll be hurt in a in a church setting we'll interpret things sometimes it's it's not even it wasn't intentional but we'll interpret things the wrong way and sometimes it is intentional and that's a, that's a different story too yeah but we'll take things that happen and even if we don't intend to it might be a subconscious thing or whatever but we'll project that onto god and we can develop this concept of a father who's not good or who's only good sometimes right and living from that foundation of the goodness of god the goodness of our heavenly father that he only desires what's best for us that every good and perfect gift comes from him living from that reality and then allowing that to be the thing that defines our lives and defines the way that we approach the world. And then, and then again, you know, we have opportunities, whether it's through forgiveness when someone has wronged us or, or whatever, but we have opportunity to give that away and to be the demonstration of that. It's so powerful. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it, in a way, uh, I don't want to derail us too much, but this is another like concept out. This is a theory, okay? This is like Evan's like weird theories about the Bible sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you one funny one, and I'll tell you what I'm actually thinking about. Uh, one of them is that Philip, when he talks to the Ethiopian in Acts, I have a theory uh-huh. that I've told my youth group leader since I was young that he actually has the gift of teleportation and that God literally like teleports him. So like the other theory that I've heard from somebody um, about, and I, this has to do with forgiveness, is I, I picture this when I'm imagining Jesus like taking on the burden of my forgiveness. This is a theory, okay? So this is not like clear cut in the Bible, but some people hypothesize that because when Jesus was stabbed by the spear, that it spewed out water and blood that is coming from a type of heart attack that happens when your your heart is essentially torn in half. Um, so it's a form of a, like a really, really intense heart attack where your heart literally tears and water comes out of your heart into the rest of your body. Okay. And so take that also with this verse in Isaiah where it's like he was crushed for our transgressions. When it, you know, it's forecasting to Jesus. Some people sure. believe, and I, I kind of think this is an interesting one to go along with, is that Jesus didn't die because of suffocation on the cross. Because most likely that would have taken many hours based off what we know about crucifixion. But actually, he died when he said it was finished. He was crushed by the Father. He bore the weight of our sins, and that in itself crushed his heart. So it's Jesus who is willing to take the weight of all of our sin for our forgiveness, so much so that it literally crushed him. It crushed his heart. He took the wrath of God into himself to where his own heart tore. Um, And that's the thing that killed him. So again, that's one of my theories that I kind of subscribe to. I can't believe I've never I've never heard that before. I've heard like so many theories about the blood and the water. I've heard, you know, all kinds of stuff, but um I've actually never heard that before. Um but the Bible does say that Jesus he he, he declared it is finished and what he he gave up his spirit. Yep. Right? That's crazy, man. I got to research that now. Yeah, it's super okay, let me tell you the story on how I heard about this. So I was a part of this thing called YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. Yeah. Um, and I it was part of my it's called a DTS, so my discipleship training school. And one of the guys that was a teacher was coming in. We had the most interesting teachers ever. I think and we're kinda of talking about testimony. I'll give you two here, but we're right after I tell you about this guy. Um but he he basically comes in here and he's like this like uh, German, German Orthodox guy. He's like super brilliant. And I'm, we're in some like small town in Australia. And he comes in here and this shares this whole narrative for a week, like paints a super compelling picture of why this, uh, why this is the case. But blows me away. Um, thought it was super interesting. Here's another thing in regards to like testimony. I think God is so interesting sometimes. And we just don't even really understand how, obviously we put him in a box, whatever our current view of sure. God is, it's in a box, like every single Absolutely. one of us. And here's one example of how that's the case for me. There's this guy who comes in, and in my opinion, he has one of the worst theology I've ever, ever <laughs> heard, right? And he's sitting there teaching, and I'm not kidding you. There were guys in my group that were standing up that in the middle of class, and we're like, this is ridiculous. And we're like walking out. It was crazy, <laughs> okay? I don't – I could be wrong. We could – me and those guys could have been wrong in our – I didn't stand up, but I definitely was not happy when he called on me with questions. I had an attitude. And yeah. – this week goes by. It was one of my worst weeks. The guy at the end of the week goes, I can pray for gold dust to appear on our hands. I'm thinking, this joker. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I was like, this is yeah. the most ridiculous crap I've yeah. ever seen. I'm so done with him. 
I don't I don't remember his name. I was so done with him. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Okay. So we walk outside. He goes, all right, everybody, check your hands, double, triple check them. You can keep your eyes open. I don't care. He goes, I don't know what. And then he got super humble for this one moment. And he goes, I don't know why, but God has chosen to give me this gift. I don't know its purpose. Mm. I think it's strange. It blows my own theology out of the water. But for some reason, it's like God does it. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. That man prayed for gold dust and gold dust appeared on our hands. Yeah. Like almost so thick. Like it was like glitter was like in my hands. <laughs> and it was the most bizarre thing ever. And I, God has yeah. no reason to do that. And I just – I say that to go back to the Jesus thing that I just think that we scratch the surface on what is really going on. Like even if so we good. think we understand the concept of God's forgiveness towards us, we really don't. Like we don't really understand what it's like to go, all right, they really don't deserve my forgiveness at all, like at all, but I'm going to choose to give it to them anyway. Yeah, it's so funny. Our perspective is so – like to say limited is not even a good enough word. It, Jesus said to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand to change your thinking, you know, mm -hmm. change the way that you think. And we so often, like you said, we all put God in a box because none of us have a perfect idea of who God is. I've heard yeah. it said that you cannot overestimate how good he really is. Mm. It's just impossible. Yeah. And so like who God is does not fit into our minds. You know, it just doesn't happen. And so we don't have this full, complete, perfect picture, but we try to define God based on our experiences and where we've been and all this kind of stuff. And I, I just think the more that we can get away from that and not allow our own misconceptions and issues and problems and experiences and all these kind of things to define God for us, but right. instead to start from this place of, you know, recognizing these truths like God is love. Mm -hmm. God is good. And then allowing those things to define who we are, what we do. You said before, you know, I can't control what you're doing, but I can, but I do have control over the way that I respond to it. And so even with that saying, you know what, I'm responding in my life. I'm making decisions, not based on just, you know, what I see and what I've been through and all this kind of stuff, but based on who you are, God, that's how I'm going to live my life. He's so creative and he's so much bigger than we know. It's he awesome. is. There's a, a, the church I go to is called North Point. Um, and the pastor's name is Andy Stanley. He's a fairly yeah, well, dude. Yeah. Fairly well, awesome. well known guy. It's an understatement probably. But basically he said this thing recently where he said, if someone who fully trusted God was in my shoes, what would they do right now? Or something like that. Like if, if someone who is completely trusting God right now, if they were me, what would they do? And he says a lot of great stuff. That, but that to me is recently stuck. It's been like, okay, in our finances, in our marriage, um, with my son, like with my family, whatever, you know, in my job, in my work, all that stuff. It's just like, if someone who fully trusted God was in my shoes right now, well, how would they respond? So good. That's an awesome place, man. I think to, to start to wrap this up, I uh, really appreciate you, Evan. Thanks so much for being here. Anybody that's listening that maybe wants to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, either from a professional sense or more so maybe just wants to connect with you or follow your content that you put out or, or whatever, how could they find you? Yeah, the easiest way is honestly going to be um, either through my website or Instagram. Um, so you can go to evannox.com. Uh, if you want to, if you're in the business space and you want to work with me, you can go to caffeine marketing, caffeine.marketing, no, no.com, just caffeine.marketing. And obviously my Instagram, I'm sure you can link it down the bio or something like that. So awesome. Well, Hey brother, I don't normally do this, but I just feel led to do this right now. Could I uh, just pray for you and then we'll, Love then we'll wrap this up? 
Let's do it. All right. Well, Father, we love you. Thank you for Evan. I thank you for his life, God. I thank you for everything that you're doing in him, through him, in his family. Thank you for these businesses that he has uh, the opportunity to be a part of. Increase his connections. Father, I declare divine connection for him, that you would increase his influence. Lord, that people would see you when they see Evan. People would see you when they see him and his family, the way that he relates to his wife and raises his child and and just goes through life, the way that he treats clients and the way that he conducts business meetings, that it would all be a display of the goodness and the glory of God. And God, this this message and this just this compassion, this passionate heart that you put inside of him, I just ask you, Lord, for more, more platforms, larger platforms, Father, where he's able to speak and declare who you are. Thank you that you're even now increasing his influence. And uh, yeah, Lord, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. We took it right up to the wire here. I know you've got another call to get on, but thanks so much for your time, brother. I'd love to do it again. And uh, anybody out there that's um, that's been sticking with us through the end here, thanks so much for being here. You guys have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time.